Welcome to your Optimal Personal Economy podcast with Justin Bennett. Your personal economy is your ability to create, protect, preserve, and utilize your wealth, your financial world. Justin will share strategies and stories to help you optimize your personal economy. Now, on to the show with Justin Bennett and co-host Matt Halloran. Hello, and welcome to another podcast with Justin Bennett. Today, is going, uh, Justin is going to talk about the transfer of risk, which is a, a foundational philosophy and, and kind of business idea when it comes to insurance. But I don't personally think that it's talked about enough. And as Justin has spent so many years uh, doing uh, a lot more planning, uh, this is really something that I think would be very interesting in seeing how he explains it. So, Justin, would you like to talk to us today about the transfer of risk? Happy to do so, Matt. I think transfer of risk certainly applies to insurance, as you mentioned. I think transfer of risk also applies to investments, quite frankly. And we'll expand. I'll kind of talk a little bit about that. But I think, as I always like to do in an effort to provide proper context, I would say the opposite of transferring risk is simply assuming risk, right? So, there's ultimately two options here on the table. It's either going to be to transfer risk or assume risk. And when we oftentimes have this discussion with clients, it's a very, very situational conversation with each person that we're speaking with. But you know, it, it does come down to making a determination if the risk at hand is able to be managed more effectively or less effectively than the person or a third party, right? So that's kind of what it comes down to. So let's, let, let me, let me explain, um, actually a, a conversation that I just had yesterday with a client and, um, formed a really good relationship with this client over the years. And, we've we've done a fair amount of planning for him and his family and um so 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 the conversation was centered around this idea that he's got about 8 more years of running hard in his craft and his his earnings are call it you know in the seven figure range there maybe uh uh, ballpark one to two million dollars, right? So he's worked his tail off uh, up to this point and plans on continuing to work his tail off for the last uh, for the remaining eight years. And then he's gonna he's gonna either completely dial it down or shut it off, right? And so the conversation was, okay, well, should I consider, right? Because you know he doesn't need anything you know, like any of our clients, they don't need something, but should I consider protecting and transferring the risk with some of this earning, some of these earnings over the next eight years over and above what he's already transferred, right? So he's, he's transferred some of the income earnings risk. In other words, if his income were to stop, his earnings were to stop, He's already shifted some of the risk away from him. He has not shifted 100% of the risk that he's able to shift away from him. So there's a little bit of 
room if he wants to or if he should. And so the conversation was like, okay, well, given everything going on in my planning, giving my given my overall situation, does it make sense to lay out $3,700 a year to protect and transfer the risk associated with, you know, call it $90,000 a year uh, of earnings or income. And so, you know, I think on the surface, the knee-jerk reaction, what a lot of traditional conversations and traditional planning uh, tends to be is, um, you know, looking at that decision in a vacuum. In other words, it doesn't take into consideration investable assets uh, accumulated to date. It does not take into consideration real estate positions to date. It does not take into consideration, you know, future growth on those. It doesn't take into consideration conversations around when and if the income should stop, whether it be year one, year two, year five, year eight, right? So if we're, we're talking about an eight-year period at which he's going to continue to earn, we have to you know, use hypothetical scenarios. It does not take into consideration what his burn rate is. You know, it, it, uh, you know, if someone's income is very, very high, oftentimes it's just assumed that their burn rate is high. However, it's not always the case that the burn rate is super high. Some people are able to control their in, or control their burn rate and and control their behavior and their consumption and are able to get to a point in life where they can you know retire a lot sooner than others. So when we factored all of those other variables into his conversation and we modeled it out, I mean it wasn't just us exchanging words. We actually had a um, a visual to a model that we use with our clients oftentimes, but we were trying to make a determination. Does it make sense to transfer this additional risk to a third party or does it, is it, is it comfortable to the client for him to assume the risk? And, um, the conclusion was that he was comfortable with assuming the risk that we were discussing. And I think what tends to happen is this confusion that, oh, well, just because there's room to transfer that risk and he's eligible to transfer that risk, and traditionally speaking, everybody should transfer that risk, doesn't necessarily mean that this client should. And I didn't try to talk him into transferring it or assuming it. I came at the conversation from a very objective perspective and try to give him some good thinking around where he is currently, what life would look like in the event he did lose his income over the next X amount of years, whether it be one, three, five, seven, eight. Um, we looked at a whole bunch of different scenarios. We took into account his, his uh, accumulated investments. We took into account his burn rate, as I mentioned. We took into account his real estate. So we took all this into account and we provided, I think, valuable thinking that resulted in him making a determination that the 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 outlay, the cost of the thirty seven hundred dollars thirty seven hundred dollars a year relative to the annual protection of about a hundred thousand uh, dollars compared to not laying out the thirty seven hundred dollars and not getting that hundred thousand dollars of risk transferred. Um, it just didn't make sense, or, or he, at least he wasn't comfortable taking on that 
that that um, that additional. He, he was comfortable assuming the risk, right? So in line with our theme here, in line with our conversation, he was very very comfortable assuming the risk. So I think you know that's one example, and sometimes people may wrap their arms around this conversation of transferring risk versus assuming the risk best when there's a scenario or a conversation or a situation that's spelled out. So I wanted to share that, but I think to my earlier point, this idea that transferring risk is not just insurance-based, it's also investment-based. I would Here's how I would kind of surmise that and not and not provide like a specific scenario. You know, I think many of our listeners and many of the folks that we work with understand that we spend a lot of time with closely held business owners, entrepreneurs. And I think that, you know, people run businesses for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons may be to generate a profit. And and so there's this decision at the end of the year that if there's a dollar in the form of a profit, where should that dollar go? What should happen with that profit? And you know, I think that most business owners tend to want to take the vast majority, if not all of that dollar in the form of the profit and reinvest it back into their own business, which is effectively them assuming the risk associated with that dollar increasing year over year going forward, right? So they're assuming the investment risk associated with that $1 by driving it back into their back into their business. So, you know, obviously a, another option would be to take um, a portion, a fraction, a percentage of that dollar at the end of the year and deploy it into an outside investment. And in doing so, to an extent, they're transferring the risk of that dollar to a third party, you know, with the idea that that third party is going to be able to manage that, you know, risk and produce some reward, some return on that dollar that they would then benefit from. So I think there's there's that risk assume risk transfer conversation inside of the investments as well. And then, of course, with the investment transfer of risk versus assume of risk conversation, there's also, you know, when driving it back into the business, the business clearly could grow and appreciate and kick off more profit the following year. There, there's also fundamentally an understanding that there's lack of liquidity in a closely held business. It doesn't make it good or bad. That's just the cold, hard reality. So, um, you know, so, so a business owner who reinvests a a dollar in the form of profit back into them, back into their own business is willing to assume the risk associated with that dollar growing. They're also willing to assume the risk associated with the illiquidity of that dollar, right? The illiquidity of that dollar. So, whereas if in, in the, in the other example, if they took that dollar and they, or some percentage of that dollar that is in the form of the profit and put it into an outside investment, there might be full and open liquidity and accessibility to liquidating or using that dollar uh, or, or that portion of that dollar for anything that they may want, whether it be for consumption or for a different investment. So 
there, there's there's different attributes that need to be taken into consideration when you're you know looking at this risk assume risk transfer conversation. So no matter I think we've we've given our listeners I think I've given our listeners some information to chew on as it relates to the risk transfer versus risk assume and I think what they'll start to do is maybe realize how it applies to them in in their world and you know for those that are wanting to have a conversation we're happy to have a phone call or a in person or a you know a Skype or a FaceTime meeting you know with the people that are familiar with us and we're familiar with them whether it be because they know some of the clients that we're working with or we've known them for a number number of years now um, but we're happy to discuss this whole risk transfer versus risk assume conversation as it relates to their situation because it is highly highly situational I love the fact that you not only talked about you know risk transfer risk when it came to insurance uh, and I like how you pivoted uh, into investments too because I that's a conversation that I don't think enough people have. So, Justin, thank you so much. That was super informational today. Thanks, Matt. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time Justin comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And if you know anybody who needs to hear this conversation, please just very, very quickly click that share button. That'd be super awesome. That way you can help share the knowledge with your friends and family. So for everybody at Bennett Financial Group, this is Matt Hallern, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Justin Bennett is a registered representative of Park Avenue's Securities, LLC, or PAS. OSJ 1150 Raritan Road, Suite 201, Cranford, New Jersey, 07016. Phone number 908-709-0020. Securities products are offered through PAS, member of FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America. New York, New York. PAS is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Bennett Financial Group LLC is not an affiliate or a subsidiary of PAS or Guardian.